know why you're here! Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Grass and Gear, episode 7, titled Dear Geary. Um, I'm FM Grasshopper, and joined, as ever, by widely acknowledged best po- FM podcaster, I would say, um, mm. at the moment, Dan Gear of Bolivia fame. Thank you very much, Danny. I'm chuffed to be honest to be that. It's it's also widely acknowledged, but probably widely only, yeah, only, only west, west of Swindon. um before we kick off the pod today i think we need to do a disclaimer um and it it will appear it will come apparent why we're doing that uh, first of all um if you don't mind dan i can just read out a disclaimer the legal team have approved it yeah that's fine okay so podcast disclaimer um the story all names characters and incidents portrayed in this podcast are fictitious no identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, and products is intended or should be inferred. No person or entity associated with with this podcast receive payment or anything of value or entered into any agreement. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast, including <laughs> grass snakes, honey badgers, and panthers. <laughs> That's pretty good. Right, now we've got that over and done with. Um, we're doing kind of a weird style of uh, agony aunt today um, in the in the mold of dear Deirdre of the sun columnists um, where people write in their problems and Dan you volunteer to be the agony uncle of the FM community <laughs> yeah yes yeah, I just thought with my um, knowledge and experience I'd be able to pass on something for other people's problems yeah just the wisdom and just uh, wisdom. yeah excellent so we, we've actually got some um some basically contributions from people today that we're going to cover, um, and then you're going to help them, um, and I think it should make a good pod. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully the people that have the issues can improve their situations from the answers I give. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, as usual, uh, we probably need to spark up a beer. Yeah. Um, what are you going for today? I've got um, a Mythos beer from Greece. Okay, excellent. Um, not the usual Cobra. Did you run out? Or was it? No, to be fair, it's, um, it's on offer at the moment, so I, um, I had this when I went on holiday to Corfu and I enjoyed it, so when I saw an offer I thought I'd have it again. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I've got another unusual choice today. Um, we weren't expecting to do a podcast tonight. In fact, the next window of opportunity we had was mid-May because of your shift work and I'm going to France soon. Um, but obviously we got a window tonight, so we jumped at the chance and then I realised I had no beer, so I ran down to the offer licence. Um, and I've ended up with uh, Desperados, um, flavoured tequila beer. <laughs> um, it's a bit stronger than usual. It's, on, it's in the 5.9%, so I might be levitating halfway through this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I thought, obviously, it looks Mexican. I thought, yep, yeah, get a Mexican beer. I think it's actually French. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know if you're going to offend more Mexicans by buying a French one and claiming it's Mexican. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I'm digging my own hole here with the Mexican community, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, do the usual spark up. Mm-hmm. M- mine's a can today, so there's not actually bottle opener. <laughs> All done. Oh, crisp. <laughs> crisp sparkage there. Um, let me just take a swig. Oh. Right tequila it makes me happy <laughs> um so dan let's just get into it then so our first letter 
Dear Geary, will playing with my tactic make it better? My assistant manager says it will. He's 33 and I'm 27. He spends the nights playing around with my tactic to see if the theory works. I don't think there is any truth in it and I wouldn't and I would really mind it having a rest. That's from Matt from Belfast. <laughs> well, um, I think what Matt has to consider is the longer he plays with the same tactic, it it become more familiar with it. Just chopping and changing the tactic all the time won't add any familiarity. So it's um it's sort sort of like um with when you when you're with a woman, the longer with, you're with her, you get used to the style of play. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I guess as well by playing with it and just getting used to that, you know, you become more solid, you become harder to beat, um, mm. and yeah. I think that's good. In terms of familiarity for you then, for tactically in FM, um, how long do you normally give it to, to become familiar with your tactic? Well, what tends to happen is, um, say, when I start a save, I'll pick a starting tactic um, based on, I always go based on the current players I've got. And then, well, I mean, in the first year, I mean, a lot of pre-season friendlies, playing the game, adjusting the tactic accordingly of what I, what I then see. I think that's one thing that um, I do see a lot of people doing. Rather than tweaking current tactics, they think, oh, 442 is not working, I'm going to change to 352 and just stick another tactic. Yeah. I do think whenever you make a tweak, it's not going to be instant either. So you then need so many games to see if it works. And yeah. then you have to take into consideration the um, quality of the opposition. It's, it's all right playing a team and beating them 10-0. And oh yeah, the tactic looks brilliant when they're like six divisions below you. But when you play someone that's actually in your league, they're going to play a lot differently against you than the other team would. Definitely, yeah, so yeah. You have to take it all into consideration. I mean, I, I tend to like in, in league games if I if I ever do change the tactic, which I rarely do mid-season. I like to give it ten games. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think I think um, Arsene Wenger's always said like you know you, you judge the league after 10 games and look how you're doing and I think you can probably apply that to tactically if you're if you're starting out a season and you get 10 games it's a good gauge of where you're at really because you've, you've mixed in with a few of the teams in the league yeah um, in terms of the training though um, obviously I used to make the mistake of actually going overkill with the match preparation yeah. um, focus of like match tactics yeah um, you know and I think I think tactically you don't actually have to spend too much time on the training pre-season I, no, think, I, I really. think I spoke to Cleon probably like two years ago now and I was always the impression that all pre-season you need to hammer home tactic uh, match tactics and get that familiarity up and I think in really it just only takes about six weeks yeah and to be yeah. fair um, I, I've noticed I think it was Cleon as well said that games also improve it better than training the more exactly. you play it the more you yeah. get used to it it's a good shout so, so I think I mean, you're better off playing more games rather than worrying too much about the training the yeah. match preparation. Yeah, so I think, I think I think for Matt then from Belfast, obviously, just playing with his tactic will help him. I think that's the best advice you're going to give him. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think his assistants asking him to chop and change too much. Yeah, and it doesn't matter at all that he's older. No, no, no nothing that won't be frowned upon. No, okay, <laughs> that's good. Okay, I, I think I think we've covered that question then. Uh, mm-hmm. From dear Geary's point of view. <laughs> okay, so we have got a second question coming. Um, so, dear Geary, 
I've got a crush on Pablo Dybala. I can't get him out of my mind. I've tried thinking that he is rubbish and a bad person, even that he's a Spurs fan, but I still feel the same. I spend around 150 million on him in each FM save I play. Help. And that's from Ed in Swindon. <laughs> well, this, I think this happens with a lot of um, a lot of people who seem to have the same fixation on players. There's always that one player that you like, and then um, he does well, and you just can't get him out of your mind. No matter, like maybe a younger player comes along, but that's still the one you want. Is still that player? I mean, I I know people that have um, split up with that player and gone for a younger one, and then years later meet back up again when they're older and more experienced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that happens often. Um, I think a good example for me, obviously, I, I fell in love with um, Kim Kelstrom in yeah. in the early CMs, and he was I signed him from Hacken in Sweden, and I, I fell in love with him. And uh, in a bizarre twist of fate, one day I was watching Eurosport with my mum, who is a football fan, <laughs> and it was I think it was a, a league game in France of uh, Stade Rennes versus Montpellier. And it went to extra time, and I think Kelstrom either scored or I think he made two assists in the extra time. It was a crazy game. I think it finished something like five, six, or something mm. like that um, to Stad Rene. And that was Kim Kelstrom playing before he went to Lyon. Mm. And I thought, oh, hello, he's good. Um, he's still good. It's brilliant. So, you know, I floated around with him, I think, in an early FM. So I probably went seven, eight years without managing him, then managed yeah. him quickly in FM, had another love affair with him. And then. When I went to Grasshoppers in FM16, he was obviously one of the desires for me to, to pick Grasshopper Club Zurich. And he was like an aging deep line playmaker then. And um, yeah, I just fell in love with him then. I watched I watched him his Arsenal debut actually in the stadium. Uh, I think it was yeah. against Fulham. Um, and I've never really got over Kim Kelstrom. He's always been my love. Um, yeah. And I don't think I ever will. Um, so I don't know for Ed, is it? Is it acceptable, Ed's? Uh, he's, he's obviously dropping a lot of money on Dybala. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think a fixation is um, acceptable as long as it doesn't be- come to a point where it, it becomes, let's say, um, over the top and it affects Ed's life. That all we can think about is Dybala every day. <laughs> that you can actually still function on what um, if life with work and family and that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone's allowed to have a little fixation in their life. Yeah, so, yeah, I think... Everything in moderation, isn't it, I guess? It's like yeah. anything. Um, okay. Sh- should Ed kind of try other Argentine ballers? Like, I don't know. There's, there's a few around at the moment. You know, Latour Martinez for Racing Club. Um, yeah. You know, th- could could he perhaps move on to a younger model of Dybala? Well, that's that's the thing, though. Like, um, Dybala's not actually that old himself. So he, he, it's up to Ed whether he um, thinks he can make a long-term relationship out of it and invest time and money into it. <laughs> yeah. if, he's, he's, he's certainly spending a lot of money. If, he's, if, if he's spending the money, but as long as Dybala like is giving it back and making the money worthwhile, because there's nothing worse than spending all the money and getting nothing back for it. Yeah, I think we've all had that kind of partner yeah. in life. Uh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, and for, and for you, have you have a fixation on one player in NFM or a CM game? Um, to maybe on each. Um, Edition of Football Manager. I mean, like um, with FM Seventeen, it was obviously um, Bruno Miranda. Who? But, Sorry. Um, <laughs> Bruno Miranda, a Bolivian thing. Okay. <laughs> Record league appearance, goal scorer, national appearances. I can't believe you've never heard of him. He did it all, didn't he? In your save. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
So, but, so you basically move per edition, you find a favourite player, and yeah, I mean, like when I started FM eighteen, uh, people obviously discussed my save and remembered him. And um, we're all like, "Oh, you're going to buy him again. You're going to buy him again." But I, I like to have fresh relationships in every save. Okay. Every, every, every edition is different. Yeah. And um, I mean, he still holds a bit of something in my heart. Whenever I seen Diego Mendoza mentioning, "Can you got a mini save?" I do have a little flutter in my eyelashes. Yeah. Does that bring up any like tension between you and Diego? Obviously, because he's now he's now got Miranda in his team, and you've had that relationship with him in the past. Do you think there's? Do you do you resent Diego for that, or are you happy for him that they're both happy now? Well, uh, I I'm still in contact with Bruno Miranda, and he says that um, Mendoza's not as good of a, a manager as myself. Uh. So he's so he's um <laughs> he's he said he's he's happy enough under him because he knows that I no longer want him, but he keeps asking me to, to bring him back. Okay. So there's more. There's probably more resentment from Diego's side. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I think that covers question two then. So, um, obviously, thirdly, we've got a question now. Um, okay, so this is Dear Geary. Often, strikerless has been seen as an exploitive glitch, with many FMers denouncing any achievements with strikerless tactic. Now that times three strikers formations are the glitch, is it time for those that criticise to make reparations against strikerless? Should it matter how you set up your game? That's from Guido in Sittard or the Netherlands. Uh, previous FBA winner and nominated best football gaming blog for 2018 so football blog awards um, if you've got time go and vote for Guido so Dan obviously Guido wrote a lot there um, <laughs> striking well, us is it, is it a glitch for, well you know sh- should should be, should we now basically now that strikers are the actual glitch you know should we make reparations well, to be fair, I mean, um, I, I know we know quite well, and we've had the discussion about strikers before in the past, and we've had a we've had a bit of a banter between the two of us. And like, I personally would never use strikers, but then it's not my save, and I, I'm I'm much for a firm believer that everyone can play the game how they want. Is is their save? If you want to play it a certain way, you can. I don't. I do think in the past strikers has been seen as like a glitch, a hack, if you will. Um, but um, I know I do know certain people spoke to people at SI and they've said no it's not they've rectified any issues they have with it I do feel there is also a um, certain part of it that is good management I mean from seeing Guido's saves he, he's done well with small clubs small nations had a lot of success but at the end of the day it all comes down to everyone's allowed their own say their own life their own re- relationships and they can do what they want with it and it's easy to say oh you know that's, that's cheating that's that but does it really affect us is it is it our saves no I mean you, you see some people spent getting 120 million pounds for a player that's played like 10 games and to someone that might be like well you know is that is that cheating as he it took over another manager and got that money in does it really matter if that's the way that they want to play their save and that's up to them yeah, I'd say perhaps hashtag does it does it matter? Yeah, I mean um, I don't. It, it's not if it was in something like a network safe. I think that's when you can sort of the lines get a bit like thinner, and you've got to be very careful with what you do because um you can't. You, but then, like, is there any difference if one of you goes strikerless, if one of you goes free out of front? Yeah, you know, you, like 
not many people are saying the four four two is hux. I mean, every formation is hux at the end of the day because the the whole point of the game is to get a tactic working and yeah. what works best for your team. I think, I think, the, I think that's a good point. It's, it's just, you know, what is effective can now sometimes just be called a hex just because it's easy to call it a yeah. hex. Um, but at the end of the day, the whole point of the game is to pick a club, pick a tactic, get the players in the tactic, get that tactic working. Well, if you go a season unbeaten and you spent six, seven years work, in-game working on that tactic, it's not a hex, it's just that you've tweaked it to perfection that it's, you've built the club, you've brought the players in. Yeah. So I do feel like there is a lot of like hacks thrown around, and I, I, a lot of it is in in um, good gesture, you know, laughing and all that, which is which is great, and that's one of the great things. There's no real digs aimed at anyone, and um, you know, I've I, I, I've um, had a little bit of a laugh with Guido before about the strikeless thing. It's not something I would do, but it, it is Guido, and it, he is strikeless, and it's like I'm not gonna say he invented it, but in football manager, he's known for it. Yeah. And it, it would be a bit strange if he then came out and said, "Oh, I'm going to play four four two now," because it's not with his um, identity within the same. Funny you say that. Obviously, Guido actually has done a really great post. I think last year on strikers, because if you truly go strikerish, you need to know how strikers work. So, I think Guido probably could put together a really good striker formation. And he, had, I think he did a post and it's kind of outlining, you know, what. What does a defensive forward do? What does you know an advanced forward do? Yeah. You know, how do they move? You know, what their normal behaviours are, profiled into the role. Um, so yeah, he's got a great stand on that. But yeah, he is reckless. Um, you can't change who you are. Um, so yeah, there's no really right answer really to this question. Really, it's just you know, um, people should play how they want. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's a game. Yeah. Let's play it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so we've got um, two more questions left. So this is the penultimate question. Hmm. If you're happy to move on, yeah, definitely. Okay, dear Geary, I'm a 30 year old man. Are there any medicines or team instructions that can excite my football obsessed neighbour and closest rival? I have recently taken over as Inter Milan boss in FM18 and want to smash the bastard. She is <laughs> hundred. She is 119 years old, and that's from Paul in Burkheim, Norway. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that basically he's he's overtaken into Milan obviously and um his neighbour is 119 he wants to smash her um <laughs> how's he gonna do it <laughs> well the, the first thing I would do is say work out what she she likes you know <laughs> what 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 is it, what gets her and needs wobbling what are her weaknesses, you know? What will seduct her? Yeah, yep. And, and by that, I mean, you know, look at it, look at their tactics. If you want to smash them, work, work out what's going to work. Yeah. Adapt, Sorry, that, yeah. A, adapt your approach to that. And then from there, spend your whole time, at, you know, using team instructions, player instructions, working out how to smash the bastard. <laughs> okay, so... Um... In terms of exciting football, how how would you put? Because I'm obviously at the, in this FM edition, I'm playing quite risk adverse. I'm playing a four one four one counter yeah. mentality. Um, if you would just want to go and excite, excite, you know, Milan, both Milans, into Milan, he's managing. He wants yeah. to excite, obviously the hundred nineteen year old next to him. 
how's he gonna how's he gonna do that in FM in terms of team instructions or you know mentalities? Thing is, it all it all depends because you you it all depends on what formation he starts with, and then what you've got to remember is on the tactic screen, the formation is your defensive positioning. So I mean, I I've heard, I I actually had a think about this the other day over the people that use the old games. If you remember the arrows, yep. Well, what, what the way I tried to uh, I was just trying to explain to someone who was having problems with tactics. If you imagine the mentalities of the players as the arrows, so if you've got a four four two for example, and you've got some wingers and you want to get right out of the pitch, you put them on attack. Yeah, if that's that would have been your long arrow. You know, if you if you don't want them to, you put them on support. If you want them to get, like stay back, which is back backwards arrow, you do defensive. So what he's got to decide is, like, if he wants to, to be attacking in that, is to create an attacking formation. But that doesn't mean necessarily going three up top. You know, two up top with two wide, wide like inside forwards. It's all about how you set the mentalities up of the team. And then from there, you have to work out based on your formation and the way you want to play. I mean, you can go short passing, you can go direct passing. Again, direct passing doesn't mean long balls over the top. It just means they will quickly, directly pass the ball from front to back when the opportunity is. Yeah. The tempo, again, a slow tem- a low tempo can still be as effective in attacking as a higher tempo. Because it means they will take... Time longer time on the ball. You you can say Man City play on a low tempo. They're rarely mm. very high tempo side. They get the ball. And they do like four hundred passes before they get in the box. But they're very sight and attacking sight. Yeah. But, but on the other hand, you would probably say Liverpool, for example, are probably much higher tempo because they yeah. get the ball and they break with speed. But they they play the same formation, so it all, you can be attacking and attractive in two different ways. I think yeah, I think you're bang on there. I think obviously. I watch Arsenal very often, and we went through periods um, where we had like Fabregas, Nazri, and it kind of mm. slowed the tempo right down in terms of our, our play style. And then it was still attacking. Yeah. Um, you would argue Arsenal are still attacking now, but we are perhaps a higher tempo um, sometimes, I guess, with the players we've got now. Um, I'd also just what you said as well in terms of you know the mentalities, but. Perhaps also thinking of the combinations in your team, so of, of your eleven, how they're going to interwork with one another. So if, if you've got, for instance, uh, an inside forward, mm-hmm. um, either on support or attack, but you, you, you're opening up kind of space for someone beneath, underneath him, kind of thing like a wing back to to advance in. Then it's how you work that space throughout your throughout your team. Um, so perhaps Paul needs to think about that combination roles of how they're going to interwork one another. Yeah, um, because you could inf- end up just being really congested in certain parts of the pitch because your player roles are running quite similar in space, and you normally get that in a in a, in a kind of midfield scenario. So, when I work on my four three threes, I I often look at that three man midfield, yeah, and how how much space they've got between them because you, you kind of want you want some space between them, but not too much space sometimes. Yeah, uh, in that formation especially. So, just understanding those combinations of roles and how they interwork one another. Both well, on defensive transition and attack is is key. Well, that's one of the things that have been quite good for let's say beginners on um, FM18 with the tactics screen. It now you now get the red blocks if there's uh, like yeah, it's a good gaps. 
Yeah. So when so if you have like you say got you inside forward and he's cutting in, you do get a red block there. Yeah. But if you would say you've got your full back or your wing back, if you adjust his mentality, the box gets smaller or goes depending on where he goes at the pitch. Yeah. And it's the same with the midfield three, depending on what you pick gaps come available in that sometimes I say if you um you pick the winger in uh um Mazala you will see the red box moves. If you pick yeah. an inside forward and a Mazala it it moves again. It depends on what you pick. The red block and that's quite a good indicator. It's not by any means perfect, but it's a good indication of gaps you probably got to exploit. Yeah, I think I think that gives like another prompt for players to think about those kind of issues. Obviously I built my tactic a long time ago now. Yeah. FM, so I've actually forgotten that that functionality is still there I don't yeah. really take much notice of it but if you start again and you can kind of really think about that in depth and yeah. it's, it's another prompt reminder to go back and think okay where am I lacking uh, representation on the pitch Yeah. Um, and sometimes you might be happy with that red space because it might be a, a space where you don't think it's going to be an issue but then sometimes it might be okay that's critical well that's it and you've also got a way up if you're willing to allow that space to be there because I am um, on the blog post I wrote, wrote about um, where I changed my tactic in game I changed the tactic and it left my flanks totally exposed yeah. but I was willing to give that space up because I was spot the weakness of the other side and trying to exploit their red zone if you will Yeah. so you, you in every tactic there's going to be a weakness so yeah. you, have to, you have to decide whether you're going to you're willing to give up that area because sometimes you could have red and you think well you know if, if you've got red in behind your strikers in the attacking midfield position are you really that worried because if they exploit that it's only in the defensive midfield position you know you've got is it not in your danger zone if you will but yeah. if you've got a big red cap in front of your back four then that's and they're playing with an attacking midfielder well that's potential to be exploited mm. so you you just got a not, I'm not saying you change your tactic all the time, but you have to appreciate whatever tactic has your weaknesses. So you have to then decide whether, like if we use Paul for example, if he's going to be attacking, he can have a lot of red defensively, he would have thought, depending yeah. on how he lines up. But if he wants to be attacking, he's going to have to compromise and say, well, okay, I'm happy to be attacking, but I'm willing to give that space up. Yeah. So all this wisdom passing over the North Sea right now. It's, it's amazing to see, Dan. It really is. Oh, well. Well, it's just a fountain of knowledge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you've got last tips into... Obviously, I, ho- I hope Paul's listening. I hope, you know, he takes some of these on board. And I guess I hope he smashes the 119-year-old. <laughs> I hope Paul gets on well with it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, good luck, Paul. Um, let us know how you get on. <laughs> okay. And so, obviously, last question then quite emotional really. I don't, really don't want this to end really should have done 10 <laughs> questions uh, from the community but uh, we've got 5 now so this is the last question so dear Geary I recently took over a sleeping giant that was languishing mid table it had the potential to be great again so I gave it large in the press conference however 6 weeks later there's been a ball takeover and the new chairman has moved the goalposts. I'm not sure what my next step should be do I reload an earlier save or do I start a new one that's from Chris in Somewhere Warm and Sunny. <laughs> well, um, I, I think I understand Chris's problem. <laughs> and and um, it, I suppose it is, um, when, when you take over and you, you come out in, 
you give it the bravado and you you want to um, you want to show off and you want to know this is a bright new future. Yeah. And it do, it doesn't quite go that way. Do you, do you think it's risky doing that? Do you think you could, leave, you could get egg on your face if you do it if you give it the big and too much? Yeah, but then that again, you know, it's it's a it's a risk you've got to be willing to take if you want to do that. It all yeah. comes out how to you react to the adversity. When the yeah. takeovers come on, you know, you could go back and reload it, obviously, but then we'll take it face on. Go at it and show show why he gave that press conference in the first place. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe have a, a good way to look at it is maybe have a look at where it went wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay. It sometimes happens, like, when you... You can attribute it to it when you're playing in game. You maybe buy a player and it hasn't worked as well as you like. You came out in the press conference. You know we signed this player. He's gonna, he's gonna be our key player and all that. And he, he ends up being dog shit. But then you either do you stick with him or do you twist? You go and get someone else. Yeah, I suppose in FM, obviously with Chris's dilemma here, he's obviously had a takeover he couldn't control. Yeah, that that's clear there. Have you ever had a takeover in FM? And how how have you reacted to that? Um, to be fair, I've had quite a lot of takeovers on FM, and I've never really worried about them. To be fair, because at the end of the day, most of the time, by the time the takeovers come, I've been quite successful. We've rarely had like a takeover early in the job. Yeah. So in in FM sixteen with Grasshoppers, I got a takeover. I think in the fourth or fifth year, and I just got overloaded with wealth, uh, and I kind of yeah. I kind of went about it the wrong way. I, I kind of you know overexerted myself in transfer market. I, was spending ridiculous monies for the Swiss market, and um, mm. I came very close to failing financial fair play. And I, I just, for the skin of my teeth, scraped it. And, and I well, learned from a, that. Obviously, I learned that. That's so a temptation. I, yeah. So the bull takeover was good for me initially. Obviously, Chris has obviously had a problem there where things have gone wrong mm. from from the off. But obviously, it was a very positive takeover that I had, and I kind of, I think I took advantage of them a little bit with the money. When you um when you had the takeover, did your expectations then rise or were they the same? Uh, well, yeah, it, it rise, but I was already dominant in, in Switzerland, and I was already mm-hmm. kind of securing Champions League money with the group stages, and and I think a few knockout rounds. So I was already getting that income in, and I never won a, a European trophy with Grasshoppers. I came close mm-hmm. a few times in terms of semis, finals, quarterfinals, um, and whatever money I did was ploughing in it just was kind of maintaining I was never going to progress I felt um, maybe with my lack of tactical prowess but um, that was my my near miss really from a takeover but then you you probably learned from that didn't you so next time you got a takeover yeah uh, you wouldn't you would maybe keep a more keen eye on financial fair play definitely I would, I've, I've learned it, from that it, it's alright having 200 million to spend but you still got to be able to Make the money back to pass uh, fair play. Exactly. Uh, I don't I haven't actually haven't I haven't had a takeover since. I must point no. out. Uh, but with the Estudiantes in my save, uh, every few years we have a presidential election. So you're aware. I think in my first season, uh, one Sebastian Veron lost out his election. Mm-hmm. I, won't, I won't say how, but anyway, Angle Bastardi <laughs> survived that battle. Um, and I've had another. I've had another one new president since, but I, f- I think the new president cycle in in Argentina, anyway, is is, it, is different to the ball takeover in in terms of the game mechanics. So yeah. I've actually I've actually not had an impact. It's kind of like yeah, you've got a new president, but he wants you to do exactly what you're doing. So 
Um, just on the subject of take, we've, we've obviously mentioned takeovers, but Chris obviously mentioned in, in his wording as well, Sleeping Giant. Obviously, he took over a Sleeping Giant, yeah. languished at the table, gave it the big ends, you know, whatever, it went wrong. Have you ever done a Sleeping Giant save? Have you had success with it or have you failed in the expectation of a Sleeping Giant? Um, I have done a Sleeping Giant save. Um, regards to um, failing with expectations, I would say not so much in the game but with my own expectations. So, like, when, let's say, like, took over a club, I thought, well, yeah, I'm going to go and take these to the top, rule the world with them again. But whilst I failed that, I've still maintained the expectations as within the game. Yeah. So, whilst what I wanted was, like, you know, bigger, you know, like, Chris Bravado, like, like going, oh, I'm going to go take these back to the top, win the Champions League, blah, blah, blah. Slag off the previous owners or the previous managements, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're a bunch of yeah, cunts. Say where all say where it all went wrong and say, "Oh, I'm going to put it right." Yeah. And then um, f- from there, you know, I always trying to make sure it's a success, whether it comes up to the expectations that I wanted originally. Yeah. It, I was still successful to the extent that I want to be, you know. No, I within the, within totally the game, agree. I was still successful, so I wouldn't say I fell with the sleeping giant. In general, but I maybe sort of um, tempered my expectations of what I wanted to do with it. Expecting, uh, you know, I shouldn't have expected that I was going to win the Champions League in like four seasons, five seasons. Yeah. No, you know, right, over time, if I looked at it like twenty seasons, I probably would have had more. Of it. I was probably a little bit too like, oh, I'm going to do it all straight away. I'm going to get it all. We're going to going to be better than ever before. Yeah. But actually, you know, sit back and think about it and take me the time. Yeah. And to get there progressively and slowly and make sure I work on the foundations of the club the facilities, youth development and everything. Yeah. Okay, I think I think that pretty much tackles the question. So mm. um I think obviously we spoke with Matt, tactical familiarity, we helped Matt with his tactics, um Ed with his love affair with um Pablo Davala and hopefully he can learn something from that. Um obviously then uh, Guido in the Netherlands. You know, strikerless. You should be proud of what he's done. Um, yeah, definitely. Embrace it. Wear it like armor. Um, obviously, Paul. I think he's, he can take a lot from today. I think he can, you know, get where he wants to be with his neighbour. Um, we don't judge here. <laughs> uh, and then obviously Chris as well. He's, you know, he, he's he's got to arm himself with that, and he's just got to get on with it and move forward. And I, I believe, I believe, every, I think the help we've given today—well, you have given. I've, I've done pretty much nothing really, Dan, today. But um, <laughs> again, think, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's become a regular thing on this pod. <laughs> uh, I think everyone, every five—well, five people can take back uh, and improve their FM saves. So I'd like to thank you, Dan, for for coming that's along. Right, that's, um, that's not a problem. Yeah, and if, if I suppose if we get more demand, then we might have to roll out another dear Geary <laughs> at some point. And and you can uh, disperse your wisdom in other ways. Well, I'm sure I've got a lot more wisdom to disperse. Yeah. One um one thing I would like to do is um mention two new guys that have come up on the community before we go. Yeah, sure, go for it. Yeah, um, there's um two guys. One is Jim at G underscore FM. He's um released a blog post this week and he's gonna start doing YouTube videos. He's having a few issues with um 
doing it on the Mac or something, but he's going to start doing it, so it's interesting. He seems, he's a general all-round nice guy. And also, Chris Johnson, uh, we will tweet out his Twitter handle, he started um, a first blog post on Medium. So, um, just give those two guys a shout out and say yes, keep an so, eye out on them. So from our Grass and Gear account, we'll um, tweet them out, shall we? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, get... and how can listeners find the Twitter account? Um, it's at grass and gear. Excellent. Um, so, and where can we find you then? I'm at the the gear eighty six. I remember them. <laughs> to make you think of that one. <laughs> uh, and obviously, well, I never uh, tweet. I never tweet myself. So <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> I do to make me feel good. I get mentioned that way. Um, <laughs> I'm FM underscore grasshopper on Twitter. Uh, my website is FM grasshopper dot com. Uh, and we're we're both on Slack quite prominently. You can find us that way. Um, I think this pod's a wrap then. Yeah. Um, I'd just like to wish you a good holiday. Obviously, we won't now reconvene now, probably till uh, mid-May, I guess. Yeah, mid-May. Because I'm Um, away for a week, then you're away for a week. Yeah. So um, I suppose it's kind of like a a pre-summer break before the World Cup starts where we're just going to be all over it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it and um, thanks for the questions no no problem um, I f- we'll thank the guys later so um, thanks everyone for listening um, yeah thanks guys see you, see you soon bye